Listen. Just listen. I'm Ozzie Totten, and you're listening to a Second Story podcast. Second Story is a hybrid performance series, a collaboration among writers, performers, musicians, and others to create good stories and good times. The stories are written by the performers themselves, sometimes funny, sometimes poignant, always thought-provoking. And now, Lizzie Dzinski. It's 1989, and I'm five years old. All extra small and sheepish, top with this colossal white bow. And inside my body, my heart is just walloping my rib cage. You see, it's Mardi Gras. And to mark the occasion, the administration at my school has allowed the eighth graders full reign of the gym. <laughs> so they set up this carnival, and everywhere I turn, there they are predatorily leaning out of one game booth after another. I'm overstimulated. (laughs) It's the music being pumped out of each booth. One different Irish jig with its sprightly fiddling clashing against the next. It's the sickly smell of corned beef hanging heavy in the air. The mobs of grade school kids bedecked in plastic green leprechaun hats and curly green wigs. A parade of faces all smeared with chocolate. Hands sticky with green and orange cotton candy. But nothing is amiss to me. The whole time I'm growing up, I will be convinced that Mardi Gras is a distinctly Irish holiday. Just another day and a calendar of so many celebrations, all cause for Irish dancing, corned beef, and green apple blow pops. (laughs) There will be eight more Irish Mardi Gras after this one. And this year, at least I look the part. This year, my mother has brought home this ridiculous leprechaun-laden sweatshirt, and I am thrilled. Unlike our classmates, my sisters and I weren't blessed with drawers stacked with woolly Irish sweaters or wearable souvenirs from trips to Dublin or County Clare. So this sweatshirt, it's like delicious contraband in my family. It's white with a Kelly green collar and matching wristbands and all over the arms and chest, what I would be after for the next eight years. Dancing leprechauns interspersed with fat leaves shamrocks. Like I said, I'm thrilled. And I wear that terrible sweatshirt with pride all morning long, secure in the knowledge that I look exactly like everybody else. Pause this scene. I have a confession to make. I'm not Irish. (laughs) If you happen to notice, my last name is Dzinski. But yet, growing up in the historically Irish Catholic neighborhood of Beverly, a little corner on the south side of Chicago where it was practically mandated that you at least pretend to be Irish, (laughs) where no one blinked an eye at appropriating holidays that did not belong to them, I so wanted to be another O'Connor or Carrie. In fact, by the time I hit fourth grade, I was dying to be Irish. I'd scan my arms for freckles, wanting so badly to be counted among those who were littered with tiny brown spots. Do you remember that Judy Bloom book, Freckle Juice? Yes. If such a juice existed, I would have stolen money from my parents just to buy it. (laughs) Because 
When you're a kid, your world does not extend beyond the walls of your grammar school, beyond the invisible boundaries of your neighborhood. When you're a kid and every single one of your classmates is smugly redheaded or spends their Christmases vacationing in County Cork, you will look at your doughy round face and your appetite for Polish sausage and sauerkraut and wonder how in the world you fit in. I'll tell you this much. My dad was certainly not sympathetic to my dreams of fitting in. <laughs> On the first Monday of every March, my dad would trudge upstairs from the basement, hoisting the Polish flag on his shoulder, and make a great display of hanging it from a flag stand at the front of the house. <laughs> All in honor of the great Kazimierz Pulaski and to pay tribute to our Polish heritage. In those days, we walked a block and a half home for lunch with the rest of the kids who lived on our street, Gallagher's, O'Brien's, McDooley's. As soon as we rounded the corner and caught sight of that red and white flag with its crowned eagle waving in the breeze, my sister Maggie's heart and mine would sink in unison. What is that? Someone would inevitably ask scrunching their nose and scanning to ensure that the rest of the block was just as they had left it, ready for the upcoming St. Patrick's Day. We'd shuffle our feet. I'd shoot my sister a pained look, and then she'd shamefully admit, the Polish flag. <laughs> of course, what my father would have preferred we do is sit everyone down on the front lawn, perhaps allow him a regal blast of his trumpet from an open window, before launching into a dramatic telling of the events of the Revolutionary War. <laughs> Kashmir Pulaski, we would have said in his dreams, was the father of the American cavalry. He saved George Washington's life and was only one of seven people to be granted honorary American citizenship. He died bravely and nobly after suffering a grape shot wound to the groin. Of course, we said none of these things. Instead, we hung our heads, focused on the giant shamrocks we were expected to wear on our school-issued sweaters, and pushed our way under the imposing Polish flag into our parents' home. There were so many striking examples like this of how my sisters and I did not fit in with the rest of the neighborhood. Moments that all told marked us as uniquely and wrongly foreign. These kids were all American, store-bought apple pie. And us, we thought we were all American too, but we hated the Southside Irish Parade. And we weren't red-headed and freckled. We were unbearably pale and fine-haired. They had all the cool toys, skippets, glowworms, easy-bake easy ovens. We had rag dolls my grandmother lovingly made from scratch. And while they went home to sandwiches on cotton bread and started their days with Pop-Tarts, we, despite our longing not to, wolfed down fried noodles with cabbage and unabashed delight. <laughs> Fast forward a few years. I'm in seventh grade now, and I do not have it easy. I'm small, gruesomely thin, and I have an orthodontist-made space between my two front teeth. All this to say that it does not take a whole lot of creativity to make fun of me. <laughs> but 
because of my Polish-American heritage, my dad's proud flying of the flag, and my clunky, impossible name, I do get something special. The first time I hear it is right before school begins. Hey, Lizzie. It's a boy's voice. I turn my head, and there is Daniel Callahan. He's kind of pudgy with this mop of dark brown hair and these piggy eyes my mother once described as two piss holes in the sand <laughs> when she didn't know I was listening. <laughs> Do you want to come over and clean my house? He says. His arms are crossed over his dingy white uniform top and he has this smug, satisfied grin on his face. What? I ask. I'm standing there, hands on hips, when he repeats himself. I said, do you want to come over and clean my house? My stomach drops, my hands instantly sweaty, my face hot with quiet rage. While I wish this were a story of great heroics, one that finds a smaller version of me accomplishing some extravagant acrobatic feat to bring this kid to the ground, the truth is, I didn't do or even say anything. Instead, I stewed. And I stewed about it all year long, so in typical grade school fashion, the teasing only amplified. So much so that in my school-issued autograph book, the one we'd pass around right before graduation, kids drew crude drawings of Windex bottles and buckets. But I'm not looking for sympathy. <laughs> As any coming-of-age story goes, we grew up. Dan O'Callaghan went on to get kicked out of high school after setting the trash can in the boys' bathroom on fire. And me, I grew into a quiet, though still unabashed, Irish hater. It was like reverse Stockholm Syndrome. And both my sister Maggie and I displayed the psychological symptoms. Looking back now, I'm kind of ashamed to admit that I was guilty of everything that annoyed me about the Irish kids in Beverly. <laughs> for years, every moment became cause for celebrating our Polish heritage. It wasn't enough to make my dad proud by honoring Pulaski Day. We had to go one step further and symbolically spit in the face of St. Patrick's Day, too. <laughs> for years, St. Patrick's Day became something we delighted in if only to avenge our younger selves by torturing the one redhead in our group of friends. <laughs> Colleen was so into being Irish. <laughs> one year, Maggie and I arrived at Colleen's St. Patrick's Day party, ignoring the perky suggestion to come dressed in green. Instead, we donned these absurd sweatshirts we had made, sweatshirts to rival the leprechaun one of our youth. They were a regal red, emblazoned with the word Polska in white fuzzy letters, and underneath that, a nod to our youth, the crowned eagle from the Polish flag. I wish I could say that this is how it happened, that our sweatshirts caused such an uproar that they brought the party to a halt, the flogging molly on the speakers scratching to a stop. <laughs> the party's host rendered immediately speechless and then publicly tearful, but... I don't know. I think that's just the way we wished it had happened. Because even though we couldn't see it at the time, and if we did, we certainly wouldn't have admitted it, all we wanted was to feel like we were on the other side of that equation. We continued this way for years, indignant, vengeful, ridiculously irate, until one day we realized we had run out of steam. 
After 10 years of enacting a small-scale revenge on people who hadn't even known us as kids, we realized once again that it was time to grow up. Of course, we still have Polish soda bread on occasion, and every once in a while throw in a Nozdrovia while out drinking with friends. And my dad, he flew the Polish flag for Pulaski Day last Monday. And while we do live for sauerkraut and apricot kolachki, but what I'm really trying to say here is that in some obscene way, I owe a debt of gratitude to Dan O'Callaghan and all those nasty little grade school kids. Because without them, I'm not sure I would have really cared about Pulaski or any tiny piece of what being Polish really means. <laughs> but before you go thinking I'm someone I'm not, I should tell you this. And flipping through National Geographic one day, I learned that Ireland's natural redheads are a dying breed. Can you imagine this? Within a century or so, the study says, the gene and all its resulting redheads will be extinct. And well, I think I'll rest easy with this knowledge. <laughs> Give my five-year-old self a high five across the space-time continuum and consider it even with Irish kids everywhere. That was Lizzie Dzinski. If her story gives you ideas for your own second story, we'd love to hear them. Please join us May 13th and 14th for our ongoing series at Webster's Wine Bar in Logan Square. Second Story Podcast is brought to you by Amanda Delheimer, Megan Steelstra, Bobby Budrisky, Sherry Pentamone, Mikhail Fixel, Nick Kawahara, Ozzy Totten, and Eric Hazen. Second Story is funded in part by the Gaylord and Dorothy Donnelly Foundation, the Richard H. Driehaus Foundation, City Arts Grants, the Chicago Community Foundation, a part of the Chicago Community Trust, the Arts Works Fund, and generous support from our fans. For more information about Second Story, including a full list of our upcoming performances, information on becoming involved with Second Story, or to make a donation, please visit us on our website at secondstory.com. I'm Ozzie Totten, and thanks for listening.